Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, is a brand new American musical comedy directed by David Dobkin and starring Will Ferrell, all about the titular Eurovision Song Contest. But is this a nilpois movie or a douzepois movie? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. Popscorn, the Found Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we're talking about Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, presumably the third in a trilogy of Will Ferrell movies that have exceedingly long and unnecessary titles. I'm still Mike. And I'm still Darren. This was one that I knew was coming. I, I saw it coming over the horizon, but mm-hmm. when it was announced, I just thought, okay, Eurovision movie, great, would like to see that. Will Ferrell comedy has not been good since Anchorman. I'm a little bit apprehensive. Uh, but now it is here in, in a time where most people are going to be locked inside and indeed in a year that there hasn't actually been a Eurovision Song Contest because of the event. So this is it's a bit of a weird replacement for uh, <laughs> what should have happened this year. A little bit. I mean, in some ways, it's the perfect timing for the film because, you know, we, we were starved of Eurovision zaniness. At least we had a film to supplant that. But I, I imagine the people who made the film were probably a bit annoyed that they didn't get the natural following of the Eurovision Song Contest to kind of build the ratings. I don't know. Netflix are apparently getting a bit more uh, open with uh, kind of how well their stuff is doing, or at least they'll power it when stuff is really good. Um, It has some bad consequences, as I found out yesterday, that The Five Bloods, which is Spike Lee's new film on there, was seen by a lot less people than watched Flory's Lava which is an obstacle course game show where Americans jump on, uh, like, you know, try and manoeuvre their way from one side of the room to another, which is filled with red liquid, a.k.a. lava. And they take the lava as kayfabe. So if they fall in, they don't come back out going, ah, they, they disappear. Well, that's... That's certainly interesting and depressing, so thanks for that. I know, but genuinely, it's like a condensed Takeshi's Castle, and I hate myself for enjoying it as much as I do, but I'm part of the problem. Yeah, that that's fair enough. Uh, I've actually not been watching that much Netflix uh, at the moment because we've got that trial of Disney+, Plus. so I've been watching uh... some shows on there. Uh, I'll be honest, my new guilty pleasure is It's a Dog's Life with Bill Farmer. Oh, that... for God's sake. Um, oh my god, it's literally just the voice of Goofy going around and just seeing dogs who've got jobs. It's it's fucking great. It's it's fantastic. It's the kind of it's just it's just it's nice and there's a nice old man who clearly likes dogs and he's just going, Well this dog's doing a great job and then that's that's the show. It's fantastic. I saw a surfing corgi on there. That was that was always nice. I mean, we are reaching the point of cultural bankruptcy, I think, but that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I, I, I tried the world according to Jeff Goldblum, but I don't fucking get it. You just don't understand <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. You don't enjoy Jeff Goldblum as many levels as I do, so that's fine. It's um, just, it's such a meandering, non-information show. It's I, weird. I know, I know, but I, I follow that man to much worse places, so I'm I'm, I'm fine with mean, it. Quite, I quite <laughs> enjoy it. I paired for it. That was the first series we completed on Disney+. Plus. Even before The Mandalorian, we got The World of Cure into Jeff Goldblum finished. 
Jesus. I know. But again, cultural bankruptcy seems like the perfect place to put out a Will Ferrell comedy in 2020 about Eurovision. So, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Again, it, it might be the best of times to put it out, the worst of times to put it out. But yeah, we mentioned this in a, a 2020 preview episode where I was like, it's just a sentence. It sounds like a hell of a thing. But in practice... I don't know. No, I did kind of mention that I'd seen this film at the end of a Hamilton review. Um, I, I jokingly compared the two. Um, but I can't let the cat out of the bag there where I was a little bit disappointed by it because I'm a little bit of a Will Ferrell apologist still. Though I still think given the right set of circumstances, he can still do very funny movies. I just don't think this was it. But I, I, it turned out in that conversation, you may also be a bigger Eurovision fan than me. So... Let's it see. is entirely possible, yeah. Let, let's see what you thought. Well, I, I think that this the film did not give itself the best of playing fields in this particular household because it's the next film I watched after Hamilton. So it was always going to be an inferior product, and I kind of tried to levy my expectations for that. And I think I'm right there with you, Darren. This it, it, I'm very conflicted about this film because as somebody who loves Eurovision, it's very plain to see that the people who made this film also really love Eurovision. Mm -hmm. What's also quite plain to see is that it is a troubled Will Ferrell movie and one that does not have a fantastic budget. And it feels a bit cheap and it feels Mm. a bit cobbled together. And I think we'll talk about its production later on because it, it comes to something when I can guess something about how this film was made and then read the you know the wikipedia article and the links following out from that and be absolutely bang on right about how they filmed it right so very interesting going forward i will say though i think there are little glimmers of brilliance in this but they are you know surrounded by a two hour plus will ferrell comedy vehicle with a very small budget so it's very much diamonds in the rough yeah there's something it's not completely devoid of being funny or at least, I don't feel like I wasted my time with this. I felt like it was fine. It's just, it's not... If this was, you know, early 2000s Will Ferrell, like, running on that level of high, I just think it would have been, you know, a better cobbled together. It just feels a little safe. And I feel the overreaching hand of corporations getting involved in this because I don't. I haven't been able to confirm this, whether it's talking through Wikipedia or anything like that. But I speculated that Eurovision had a good chunk of their budget put into this and therefore were able to kind of control the narrative a little bit to make them look brilliant. Not that Eurovision's like corrupt. I'm not because FIFA do this all the time. FIFA have made several films about FIFA and how great FIFA are. Um, and I'm surprised it took us this long to figure out they were corrupt. But um, yeah, that, that I, I worry there's a little bit of that in there that's kind of holding back what they would have actually liked to have done and really gone in on Eurovision, they were like, no, no, you're not going to be doing that. Yeah, it it feels more a product of the Eurovision machine than it feels a movie about Eurovision. Yeah. And, I mean, that is evident from... I mean, you look at the branding. They are using the official Eurovision logo on the posters. They are using it in the movie. It's constantly being thrown up on screens in the background. They even roped in John Olasand, who's the guy who announces the voting, to basically be an ambassador for Eurovision in that film. So it's it's very much playing into 
what Eurovision want you to think about Eurovision rather than kind of the outside politics that take part in it, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Which it's... is a it's, it's a shame. There's a little bit of tongue in cheek about it, which we'll come to later on. But genu- genuinely, it does feel like a movie made by people who get it, but weren't yeah. allowed to criticise it. Yeah, I don't think that's good grounds for... Not that this is trying to be a parody of the Eurovision Song Contest. Maybe there's a lot more comedy to farm there. It feels like it's just... It's it's leaning into the acceptable kind of stereotypes about it, but not really pushing the boat out any further than that. So you get Will Ferrell's character. So they've gone with... It's, it was always going to be a Scandinavian country that they came from. Because they usually do pretty well in Eurovision. Um, so Will Ferrell is... Oh, God, we're going to have to pronounce a load of Icelandic names. L- Lars Eriksson, uh, Yeah, OK, that's pretty easy. Um, Lars Eriksson, who is the... Um, well, a part of a two-person act, two act called Fire Saga. Uh, with Rachel McAdams as Sigrid Eriksdottir. <laughs> Sigrid Eriksdottir. Yes. Oh, don't put the little flare on it like you know what you're doing. <laughs> I told you I like Eurovision. <laughs> oh, you do, don't you? Um, now, I'm up for Rachel McAdams being in anything. Um, so uh, Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with Rachel McAdams' performance just up and down in this film. Like, in, uh, Honestly, I, I think I've been undervalued in Rachel McAdams because the last thing I would have seen her in, knowingly, would have been Doctor Strange, where she was in it for about 10 minutes. So, yeah, you know. But fucking hell, she's really good. She really holds her own in this film. She so basically, Will Ferrell is playing Will Ferrell and doing like jerkass Will Ferrell, where he's just a bit of a petulant man child, which is basically which the is same Will character. Ferrell's character in every yeah. film. Yeah, and and there's diminishing returns on that, but I mean, there's no there's no extra nuance here. He's just a, kind of a, a bit of a dickhead sometimes. Whereas she's like this pure innocent being of light who just wants to sing well. Um, so, yeah, Rachel McAdams comes off very well in this. She didn't actually do her own singing. That was done by somebody else. Because I was like, wow, she, I didn't know she could sing. Don't say well, she it's, can't. It's half and half. Um, ah. Rachel McAdams did do some, but not the most of it. Um, right. Most of her singing credits can be attributed to Molly Sandon. Um, she won. Now, I know less about this, but she was a, the Swedish entry for Junior Eurovision quite a few years ago. And I think she actually won. Ah. Um, she went on to she's now credited as under a different name her act is now called My Marianne right um, and she's big in Sweden and the Scandinavian countries but obviously less so over here but yeah they, they went with somebody who's actually been part of the contest to do the singing which I think worked out really well because weirdly enough the female vocals are really good in the uh, in the songs they put in the film they are like I can imagine it's already it would have been a bit of a difficult task even if Rachel McAdams was a brilliant singer because she has to sing in a different accent which I imagine is just like the single hardest thing to do like in terms of singing because you're not you know you've, you've practiced for years to get your voice to go into tones and sound good to have to then put a bit of a kick on there as well must be very difficult. I mean Will Ferrell sings in his accent but it's not like anyone's expecting Will Ferrell to sound good yeah <laughs> sings is a loose term yeah true but he also has a Swedish wife so he's probably had a lot more time to get around that accent and, well at least a generic Scandinavian accent and kind of iron out the creases on that so which Fair is weirdly enough. enough the way that he was introduced to Eurovision because his obviously his wife is Swedish. I think 
something like he's been watching it since like the 90s yeah as an american which is that that's that's comforting to know that it, it the the main but creative brain behind this is somebody who genuinely enjoys it so I do think we're not too far away. I know this has nothing to do with the film. I don't think we're too far away from the Americans getting involved. Because if we've let Australia in, the, the, yeah. the, the rule book's kind of gone out the window. I think if, if we don't add them to Eurovision, we might get World Vision. And they just do it that way around. And because mm. it feels like it's becoming a bigger part of American culture. Much more of them are aware of it. I mean, Justin Timberlake turned up a few years ago. Um, oh yeah where he sang the song from trolls of all things hey i like that song i'm about to ruin it for you because i whenever he sings can't uh stop the feeling i I just feel like i need to ruin it so i'm just like can't feel my penis no don't do it don't Uh, ruin that film uh that song even um yeah so good on him you know this is it isn't something he was just attached to do it's something of a labor of love for him well he's the Uh, producer as well so yeah yeah, he he was really wanted to do it, which is good, and I feel that's kind of saved it from being like overly corporate, at least from the outside looking in. Where I felt like if they just got you know some mercenary actors to do it, it would have felt a lot more, um, it would have felt a lot more fake and kind of corporate. So I'll yeah. give him that at the very least. Even though you know he it isn't a particularly funny film, I don't think he he's he's at least brought some genuine heart and genuine love for Eurovision into it. Um, so elsewhere, oh, Pierce, what are you doing? <laughs> From James Bond to this. Yeah, it's, 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 he's still in my head, James Bond. He will always be James Bond. And now he's slumming it in the Eurovision film. I mean, at least he's acting again. He kind of disappeared for a few years. So at least he's, he, you know, he's a working man again. But I mean, you would if you were in the Percy Jackson films. Yeah, yeah. You'd kind of want to keep a low profile, wouldn't you? Yep. Oh, Pierce. Um, <laughs> yeah, he he's back. He's he's just Will Ferrell's. Will Ferrell always has an angry parent in his films. That's just like completely ashamed of their fifty-three-year-old son, and he's somehow shown to be the antagonist, um, which is not the way round it would happen in real life. They'd be the protagonist. Um, there yep. we go. So he's back, but I mean, he doesn't really get a lot to work with. He's just sad. Yeah, it was a very limited performance from Pierce Brosnan. But at the same time, it was just very much... No, I know all characters are characters, but like, I do think Pierce Brosnan in his... in his, uh... He's not even in his twilight years. I don't know why everyone's playing him out to be a fucking haggard old man. I know. Like, he's not that old, but it does seem like he's, you know, he's now reaching those uh, roles in his career where he is, you know, someone's grandfather rather than yeah the cool leading man and it does seem like he's going to get typecast as that as just the angry old man he's and, there to be the you know what your problem is machine that's his plot yeah. device now he's there to just point out the the issues at the start of the film that the protagonist has to get over and that's that's not what i want from my bond i want him to be a bit more you know, sexy and doing important stuff. I just feel sad whenever I see Pierce Brosnan anything other than a leading man role. It just makes me a little... <laughs> to be fair, he was in that bloody football terrorism film that went straight to Sky. So, if anything, this is an improvement. Christ, I don't even know what that is. It was him and Batista, and <laughs> it, it okay. was shot at West Ham's old ground before they knocked it down, I think, and... Uh, yeah, it was apparently. Quite the legacy. I didn't watch it. My 
My girlfriend's dad, who immediately falls asleep during most films, said he at least made it to the end, but it was the worst film he's ever seen. So I wow. I, I didn't feel the need to watch Batista razz around the the roof of Upton Park on a dirt bike. So <laughs> I, I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. I, I, would, I would pay to watch that if that was it. It was just, hello, I'm Batista, <laughs> and this is my motorbike. But not if they're trying to put a terrorism plot in. I, I, I would pay money to go and watch Batista razz around the uh, football stadiums of the UK. Oh, that's just the gimmick. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's just he's got to ride around. The, he's got to do like five laps of the route without falling off. <laughs> it ends on Wembley, so it goes up the big arc, and that's his. That's the big finale. He's like razzing it up there. See, I thought you were going more for like a, Hi, I'm Dave Batista. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also watch that. Uh, yeah, I'd also watch it. Just old retired wrestlers chucking themselves off roofs. That's <laughs> that's actually reality for some of them that they didn't manage their money well enough. So you know, at least they get paid for it. <laughs> anyway, call Steve Austin, and this is the nuke fridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love we're it. Tangenting, we're tangenting. Um, there's also now my favourite character in this by a country mile was Dan Stevens playing uh, Alexander Le- Lemtov? Yes. Yeah, Lemtov. Oh, he the, was fucking great. The Lion of Love. That, when it felt like, okay, that's actually legitimately... That would do well in Eurovision. It would. That would legitimately be a fan favourite. It might not win, but it would be a fan favourite. Definitely the best song they wrote for the film. 100%. It was... Oh, no, no, no. There's one better song. Which is? Well, it's the only song I want to talk about. Go on. Got your ding dong. Angry Icelandic man who only wants to hear the comedy song was probably the best character in the film. <laughs> I, I I had to find out who he was, so I genuinely trawled through the credits to find him because he's not listed on the Wikipedia article. <laughs> um, that's uh, his name's. I'm gonna murder this because he's got like about twelve different accents. So I'm just gonna say it normally. So it's Hannes. Uh, Oli Augustin, yeah, Augustin, someone like that, who plays Olaf. He's a fucking treasure. <laughs> he's so good. Apparently, he's like he's well known for doing a lot of serious dramas. In um, I believe is he? I believe he's. I think I think he's Icelandic, right? So like not not the killing, but like stuff like the killing. Yeah, yeah. And and now he's the comedy character in the Will Ferrell movie, and he's fucking brilliant. <laughs> He shows he he angrily eats a parking ticket and then demands to listen to a comedy song <laughs> and he's the best character. See, this is the uh, thing. This is why it doesn't completely fall on its face because you feel like there's these little nooks and crannies where they've actually put genuinely funny things in there, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think this is this might be the favorite thing I've ever seen Dan Stevens in. Yeah, I usually I, don't I like the things you want to see Dan Stevens in more stuff now because I didn't watch Beauty and the Beast. Although I know he was in that. Uh, um, to be fair, he actually doesn't... He, they give the Beast a song in that, the live-action version. Oh, and really? it's not good. Oh, no. Not, no. Admittedly, he's having to sing it through like the filter of like the Beast voice. So, mm. I mean, he sings pretty deep here anyway. Um, he nails singing in a Russian accent, to be fair to him. I know you say it's very hard, but he, he smashes that out of the park. Um, effeminate Russian as well. Um <laughs> It really like bothered. I'm like, I've been looking at him going, I know he's supposed to be like 
Dima Bilan or something like that. Like yeah. uh, a stereotypical, so masculine, it's actually feminine again, Russian entry. Yeah. But I can full circle. Yeah, I couldn't not look at him, especially after he talks about Wham. I'm like, fucking hell, he's just he's just uh, George Michael. He's just <laughs> really... like George Michael. <laughs> he really is. It's it's like it's like a Superman Red Son. What if George Michael was born in Russia? <laughs> <laughs> what if we weaponized Wham? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! No, he was fantastic. He he was so good. I genuinely want to see him because they kind of set him up as a villain in this, but without spoiling too much, that's not the way it goes. No, uh, at least not the typical way that you think it's going. That they do there is an interesting uh, development with that character, but he is fucking good. Like he is smouldering one hundred percent of the time. He's just oh, got yeah. like this one sort of like fuck me eyes expression on his face the whole way through, and it is glorious. It's weird because um, like. The other people they put in there have like because basically though that's the main cast covered. Those are the main players you need to pay attention to. There's also the Grease entry, who's just kind of there to drive a rift between Will Ferrell and um, uh, Rachel McAdams. That's true. Although they did actually get a Greek actress for that role, so that's pretty good. Fair enough. Um, but that's she, she's a plot device. She's just there to to you know to basically put off them to kissing until the end of the movie. Um, oh, spoilers! Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoops uh, I do well, like the fact they keep thinking their brother everyone presumes their brother and sister and Will Ferrell's only response is probably not which is <laughs> yeah. probably that, accurate it is weird though isn't it because don't like it's very much a case of they've got different mothers but isn't it kind of implied that like it, they are at least step related I well, don't know it, it is at the end of the movie that that becomes a bit more solidified but I think it's because Right, I, I read this somewhere. Iceland is one of only like three, like perfect, so to speak, um, uh, cultures—not cultures, um, uh, populations—where they've never really been invaded properly. So, generally, mm. we're just like mongrels, basically, because we've had everyone in Europe had a turn at invading us before we yep. got the empire up and running. Um, <laughs> Iceland japan and there's a third one but i can't remember what the third one is have never truly been conquered by anybody so they've kept the the things pure but japan's huge iceland isn't so it's kind of a bit i don't know if it's a bit of like an in joke that you know the population isn't that big so the chance for you know crossing of the streams is somewhat likely not to bring it back to jackass for the second time in this uh review (laughs) but Johnny Knoxville apparently was going to go on a um, who do you think you are type thing in America. Mm. And I, I don't think it ever actually aired because he went on an interview like a few years later and said, oh, yeah, they said basically all of my family are like from up in the mountains in um, in Tennessee. And they basically went to him like, well, the thing is about those really small, tight knit communities. Not a lot of people go in and not a lot of people go out. And Johnny Knox was like, so you're telling me there's a lot of incest in my family? And he's like, yeah, basically. <laughs> Which explains a lot about Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> but there we go. So maybe that's the joke they're going with. Just they just Everyone presumes, because they're Scandinavian, there might be a little bit of a 
cross pollination there, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they they're, they're from like a bumfuck nowhere town in Iceland called Husavik, which is actually a real place. Oh, um, it genuinely, and they didn't film there. <laughs> that, that's the bit did they film there. in Reykjavik? They did. Well, they obviously had to film in Reykjavik because there's scenes in Reykjavik, but oh, they course, yeah. filmed in. Bear with me. I know it's here somewhere. <laughs> I had it written down. You're not going to say like Alaska, are you? Oh. No, I'm not going to say. Can you imagine they just randomly filming it? Well, oh, I mean, just... everywhere else films films in Cleveland, so if they maybe they shot it there and just put some snow on the ground. Oh, it, it does just say Iceland on oh. the Wikipedia page. So, yeah, they could have filmed there. I, I don't. I didn't think they did, but they they might have. They definitely filmed in Reykjavik. Um. Yeah, is, isn't it weird that this is? Um, it's oddly prophetic that uh, this this uh, film is about a fictional Icelandic entry that, by all odds, against all the odds, manages to get to the final in a year where it was looking like the Icelandic entry was going to win the contest, and then it got cancelled. Really? Genuinely, they were the favourites to win. Huh? Have, okay. have you listened to any of the would have been entries from I... this year? I tend to keep the powder dry because I want it to be such a pure, like, I, I want it all on the night, all for the first time. Uh, well, the, so. un- the unfortunate thing about this year is that um, Eurovision have said the artists from this year can return if they want to for 2021. Right. But they're not allowed to enter the same song twice. So Why? I know it's, it's real dumb. Um, basically, they're like, well, according to our rules, uh, the songs have to be released after a certain date to be eligible in that year's contest and obviously all these songs were released this year so it would be against the rules for them to uh, carry the songs over which sucks because it was a it was a fucking head-to-head battle against iceland and russia and i really wanted to see which of the ridiculous songs won and they're so fucking good just change the rules that's yeah, the like... wonderful thing about rules they <laughs> the can commission. be changed <laughs> yeah exactly um so uh, it's Daddy Freya who was going to be um, representing Iceland this year, and he would have fucking won. It's such a good song. Right. I, I implore you, once this is recorded, we'll listen to some, because, oh, my God, uh, this and the Russian entry are just gems. They're so good. Were, were, were we not doing much this year? Uh, no, we were. I mean, they make a joke about it in this film. Um, yeah, true. They do. Everyone, everyone hates us. It doesn't matter. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because we get the uh, the Demetrio siblings turn up for like ten seconds, which is a bit annoying. Oh my god, that might have been my favourite cameo of anything ever, especially after finishing what we do in the Shadow series two, mm-hmm. where um, uh, what's her name, Natasia Dimitriou? Uh Yeah, that's all. Who's just the best fucking character in uh, what we do in the Shadows, and she just turns up as like a stagehand and has some of the best lines. It's great. Yeah. Uh, but it's such a like you get someone because her star has risen being in that TV show, mm. and um, her brother Jason, as uh, like Jamie Dimitriou, has turned up in quite a few things as well. He's just turned up in season two of Miracle Workers, mm. um, so he's gone. He's growing in America as well. You'd think they would have given him a bit more. Yeah, but have you seen Stathlet's Flats? It's one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen. I haven't seen stuff that's flats. Oh, it's fucking dire. It's like it goes for the same awkward humour that's like The Office did back in the day, right. except doesn't understand anything about it. It's just terrible. Ah. Okay, I will give that a wide berth. 
So who else is in the cast that we haven't talked about uh, yet? Graham fucking Norton. Oh, of course, yeah. They they did get Graham Norton. Of course, you get you got to get Graham Norton. Like yeah, you know, it, in a perfect world, it would have been Wogan, but Norton has absolutely proved himself to be the replacement for Wogan. Yeah. That's, mm, I'm going to come to my problems about not about Graham Norton. He's great, but about the structure of the movie in a bit. But we'll get through right. the rest of the class. Demi Lovato, what the fuck? Right. Like, for for ten minutes, although it does produce one of the better jokes in the film, in my opinion. To be fair, wait, what which joke was that? Um, well, we'd have to get into plot spoilers. Oh, explain. okay, okay, we'll get that in a sec. I I now have to admit that I thought when Rachel went, "That's Demi Lovato." I went, "No, it isn't." Turns out I thought Demi Lovato was Ariana Grande, and <laughs> and yeah, so I was like, "Wow, she's changed," but uh, apparently no, I was wrong. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird cameo for her to be making, but I don't know why you bothered to get her, because she's literally in it for... Well, maybe that explains it. They needed someone for like to sing one song and then not really be in the rest of the movie. So maybe that's why they managed to get someone like that. They thought, eh, screw it, it's another name on the poster. Yeah, she had a free weekend. Uh, the last person I want to talk about is Mikhail Persbrandt, who is... He plays Victor, who's like the governor of the Bank of Iceland in the film. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I, I, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, fuck, it's the guy from Sex Education. Um, and he's the best part of the show, Sex Education. So I was ah. happy to see him here. He, he's really good. He, I, I, he's very Mads Mikkelsen-esque, which I enjoy. He is. He, he's, I, I like his reasoning for not wanting to do it because it will bankrupt the country. <laughs> which has been proven to happen. They nearly bankrupted Ireland because they kept having to hold it. <laughs> yeah, because they kept winning. Oh, this is what but... makes me laugh about this year's contest being cancelled because how much of this uh, this film would have been a documentary if <laughs> if Daddy Flair would have won <laughs> they took yeah. it home to Iceland? Yeah, that's very good. But imagine if they hadn't actually filmed any of the like the Eurovision bit yet and they had to they were going to do it this year and oh, then God. all of a sudden like, oh no you can't do that but that might have been good because then we would have had like we've, that's the documentary I want to see the, the crumbling of the Euro, of Eurovision Song Contest 2020 <laughs> it might actually be a very interesting documentary to be made out of that but uh, yeah, yeah he the, was go on sorry I was saying with it being the year where people are allowed to return two years in a row and they've had to write two different songs. It probably will be a documentary about it in the years to come. Um, yeah, he's... So, Mikel... What about... Oh, wow. Persbrandt? Yes. That'll do. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, pseudo... Um, Pseudo-antagonists in this. But Weary Will Ferrell is the problem. He's the one that keeps making the mistakes and, and you know, everything keeps going wrong because of his meddling. So... I, I, it's weird that they felt the need to plug so many like people, you know, being the antagonist when really it's Will Ferrell. Yeah, that that is a big problem in this film is that it doesn't really commit to any one antagonist all at the same time. It's the dad, it's uh, Mikhail Persband's character, it's Dan Stevens, it's um, oh, what's her name? Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look this up because I will get it wrong. Uh, Melissanthi Mahut as um the greek entry yeah all at the same time that's four antagonists and like you say the only one really doing any damage is will ferrell they don't make him um personable at all do they you don't really 
You're, you're on Rachel McAdams' side, but you're not really on Will Ferrell's side. You don't understand Rachel because early on in the film, because they they do that funny gag of like a lot of Icelandic people still believe in elves, so they go they run with that. Um, yeah. And she goes to visit them, and she's like, "Oh, I just I just want him to to get into the contest so that then we can get married and have a baby." I'm like, "Whoa, okay, why?" <laughs> Especially later on in the film where he flat out refuses to acknowledge any feelings for her because he needs to focus on the contest. I'm like, don't be a douche. Come on now. I mean, he looks like Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams. What are you doing? Yeah, he looks like somebody like 10 years your senior. Why are you bothering? Oh, I know. I know why they're bothering you because Will Ferrell probably wrote the script. But, uh, <laughs> Good point. And, and be, you know, if you're going to do that and you're going to cast Rachel McAdams, fair enough. Don't blame the kid. <laughs> My kid, he's like 30 years older than me, but still. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so that, that's basically... Now, do you want to talk about the Eurovision? Like, would you consider it a spoiler to say who cameos in this? Uh, yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll jump into spoilers now, but I think, you know what? It's on Netflix. If you've already got Netflix and you've ran out of things to do, there are probably a lot worse things you could be doing than watching this film. I think you do need to inherently like the Eurovision Song Contest. If you Having said that, my girlfriend preferred it like like this more than I did and I can tell you from forcing her to watch it a few times she does not care for the Eurovision Song Contest um, <laughs> it is very much it's a weird situation where like me and my brother have to drag our girlfriends to watch not football but the Eurovision Song Contest and they great. cannot give a shit um, <laughs> so but she actually preferred this so maybe I'm wrong in that but I think if you don't know anything about Eurovision I think it's just so dug into that but i don't think it's good for an outside perspective on it i think you'd need to have a working understanding and appreciation for eurovision to get the most out of it but yeah it's not terrible i was hoping for a bit more but maybe that's a bit of a fault on my part yeah it's interesting that like we both have that relationship with it in that me and you love it your brother loves it and our collective um, wives and girlfriends are just like what the fuck is this? Did they put something in the water in Wensbury or something? <laughs> just like I, it, it appears so, but like, because I, I, I was like, um, oh, well, I had to explain some. Oh, that was it. We were watching one where there was like some. It was like a really heavy rock song came on. Mm. Um, it was like, it's by a European band or something like that. And I was like, oh, isn't it? She went, isn't it a shame that nothing like this ever gets into Eurovision? <laughs> Within about ten seconds flat, we were re-watching the greatest song in Eurovision history. Fuck yes, oh, you were. Oh, absolutely. I was like, you've never heard of Lordy. She went, no. I was like, right, <laughs> stop what you're fucking doing and come with me. Um, <laughs> I was like, this was, this is the greatest Eurovision of all time. And she was like, oh, and I, it, it didn't really have the effect I was hoping for. I thought she was like, oh, Eurovision's the best. She was like, oh, that's interesting. The silly man with the, the face paint and the wings and the finish hat one. Oh, I was like, no, it was the best. Um, <laughs> it was I, the best. It was the defining moment of Eurovision. <laughs> it's all been downhill from there, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it is a bit strange. Maybe it's just a Wednesday thing. No, because my dad hates it. Hates it. He's uh, never understood. I mean, he's not proud of me for a lot of things, but particularly my love of Eurovision, <laughs> it's, it's, it's up there of like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> I was not expecting a throwaway self-deprecating vision there. <laughs> he's, he's, he's disappointed in me for a lot of reasons, but this is paramount. This, this is this is the top one. This is this, <laughs> this may even outstrip wrestling of like where did I go wrong that both of them want to watch the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh God, I love it. 
but yeah, uh, to to wrap up the the non spoiler section, like you said, it's it's on Netflix. It's it's easy enough to access. You will get more out of it if you are a fan. I think the biggest problem with it is its length. I think for what this film is, it did not need to be two hours plus. No. But but generally speaking, it's it's not that bad. It's not. It's certainly not as bad as I was preparing it to be. And maybe because I have that kind of indignation towards anything Will Ferrell post Anchorman, I, I was preparing for a total shit show and was pleasantly surprised when it wasn't. There are some standout performances from uh, Dan Stevens and Rachel McAdams. There are actually some really funny jokes, but it takes far too long to get to them. And the production does feel cheap, but it at least feels earnest. So this is a solid sort of five out of ten really i know we don't do numerical scores that's not what we do here but if that, that if that's how it's like it is it's bang average in fact i would say it's aggressively average yeah that's probably the best way of describing it <laughs> or well maybe not aggressively it is uh campaningly average i will i will yeah that's probably the best way to describe it it is it is nothing other than just a ordinary comedy film featuring Spoiler alert! A fair few Eurovision people. A weird selection of Eurovision people. A lot of contestants from the 2019 contest, which makes a lot of sense because they'll be the easiest to get. Then they they managed to, like you said to me after the podcast, you recognised Alexander Ryback from Norway. uh, Yeah, which is strange because the only person I know called Ryback is some big brolic dude from uh, the wrestling who's literally looked like a shave, like, chimp. (laughs) He's just this really squat white dude in a spandex. So whenever when you said Ryback, I was like, those two could not be more polar opposites of each other. But there we go. Uh, yeah, so he was um, the the Norwegian Justin Bieber violinist looking dude. Um, yeah. Who's a lot older than I thought he was. Yeah, dudes uh, got access to the Fountain of Youth. Holy shit. But oh, they, they kind of cram all these people into one scene. The, the only person, we'll, we'll go through who's in it. The only person who's not in that big, this is Eurovision. Remember these people from Eurovision um, is uh, Salvador Sobral, who won for Portugal oh, in 2018. The worst Eurovision. Or 2017. Was it 2017 or 2018? 20, 2017. 2017, yeah. My least favourite. No, you know what? Both of my least favourite winners are in this film. And I cur- don't know which one I think is worse. Cur- it's weird that they've got such a eclectic mix of people because they've actually got a lot of um now this is fucking nerdy they've got a lot of people who've achieved the highest scores both pre and post uh the revision of the scoring system so salvador sobral is the highest scorer post scoring revision which mm-hmm. i think the new scoring in uh in eurovision is fantastic like there's there's a lot more drama in uh, yeah. the unveiling but they've actually got Alexander Ryback and Loreen, who I think, but not back-to-back as Loreen won in 2012, but they both had, at the time, the highest scores. So they managed to get, like, the three big, bill, bill, yeah, Billy Big Bollocks people. I yeah. think, didn't Salvador Sobral get something close to 800 points, which is just completely unheard of? I, I still don't make... That song was dreadful. It, it was, was like the a... only ballad that year, though. So, but it was like a proper nasally, like, like whingy, like. Oh, I hate that song so. Fucking it it, much. it did feel like Portugal was were trying to like 
genetically engineer a sadder version of Gautier. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> I don't think the world needed that shit. It was like that, why are you going to be so rude? It was just weaponized. Because <laughs> I hate that song too. Yeah. Don't you know I'm human too? Fucking millennials. I fucking hate that song. Dreadful, right? <laughs> God, I'm completely on the dad side of that one. Just, just no. If this man came to my do- door asking for my daughter and was like, why are you being so mean? I'd just kick him in the dick. <laughs> I'm going to marry... No, you're not. <laughs> I can guarantee Stop you that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> now, because he's in it, and I think he's the worst, but then I remembered... I re- I'm reminded of Netta, who may be worse... Yeah, uh, Caroline loves Netta. Like, oh, do not why? fucking understand. I think it's just because like she's you know she's weird and kooky and you know, but not the I... good kind of weird and kooky. No, no, really not. Like I want more camp. I don't want fucking chicken noises. At least oh. she doesn't do that in the film, so that's good. Oh, her presence enough. I think I just start hearing the chicken noises when I see her face. They just they're, <laughs> they're burnt into my brain now. Right, I'm going to see how many of these I can tick off. So we've had Alexander Ryback, we had Neto. Um, Kachita Wurst was in there. She won in mm-hmm. 2014 for Austria. The Bearded Lady, she's fucking yeah. incredible. I think she's absolutely fantastic. We yeah. talked about Salvador Sobral. The weird one for me was J- Jamala, who won for Ukraine in 2016. Yeah. Because um, she's, <laughs> I think she's like doing a line from a Black Eyed Peas song, and I'm like, you won with a song about the plight of the Crimean Tatars being slaughtered by the Russians, and now you're here singing a fucking pop song. There was just a little bit of a cognitive dissonance in there for me. A little bit, yeah, that's that's. it's like John Lennon turning up to sing ABBA. He's just like, no, that's not, that's not <laughs> how that works. No. Uh, Loreen, we talked about the winner of 2012, she was in there. Then then there was all the 2019 ones. So there was John Lundvik, who represented Sweden in 2019. He didn't do very Oof. well. Oh, no, but he's a handsome son of a bitch. Good Lord, he is. Um, the weird one for me was getting back the French representative from 2019. Oh, God, yeah. what's the name? Hassine? Hassini? Hassan? Uh, Bilal Hassin, his Hass, Hassani. Thank you. Who is the most effeminate male to have ever lived and ultimately didn't do very well in that contest either. That's a d- oh, that is a dude. Oh wow. Okay, I'd forgot about him, her. Um. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just check. They. We'll play it safe and say they. Cool. Um, and there was there was Jesse Matador who represented France in like 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, who again didn't win, but has like an incredibly popular song so i get why they got him the one that made no sense to me was they got the estonian represent i have to look this up this is the only one i didn't know was alina necheva from estonia from 2018's contest i could not tell you what the fuck she sang like i genuinely don't fucking know yep not a scooby oh and the oh yeah and the moldovan representative from 2019 as well um anna obet i think yep that's the one. Again, I, not one I remember from that contest. It, mo- mostly I remember either the winners or the iconic people, um, of which they got a fair few. They didn't get the winner of the 2019 contest, though. Could, could they really not book the guy who sang, Loving You is a Losing? Like, that's another fucking weird ballad that won Eurovision. Yeah. 
I mean, they didn't get Lordy, so it's already. T- I don't know how you would fit Lordy into the context of that song. It, just to felt... have the dude turn up in full Lordy gear, but <laughs> I tell I tell you what I would have done. I would have had instead of him going back home, um, and having that scene with Pierce Brosnan and on the boat, and then making his way back to Edinburgh, which we'll get back to. Um... <laughs> I would have had him like had his like tantrum outside, and then like he sits on a bench and has a heartwarming conversation with Mister Lordy. That like lo- like Lordy's like a vision that appears to him, because then we could have Lordy fly in, which would be pretty cool. <laughs> 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 if Lordy's his spirit animal, that would be. That's how you do it. My only other idea was you have the Russian grannies turn up for a second, and then Lordy. I don't know if Lordy has fire breathing powers, but. I feel like it wouldn't be too far of a thing for him to come in and roast them to death, so we don't have to deal with those anymore. <laughs> so in the in Eurovision kayfabe, they're dead. So that'd be pretty cool. That would but, be. But uh, apparently not. Uh, we can't have everything that we liked. But um, yeah, it's it was a it was a good collection of all the attractive, well liked people from Eurovision to come and sing a song. Mm. And it was it was again it, they they got some of the more iconic people, certainly of like the 2010s period. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I understand that that's sort of like the point in which it is now reaching the point of its like the the peak of its uh, like cultural relevancy, I guess. Yeah. So, certainly on the international stage, certainly for Americans now they can actually, you know, watch live streams of it. But it, it kind of felt like the history of the contest wasn't really given much due. No. So like we had obviously the throwaway ABBA thing at the start. Yeah, because like, of course, the moment that you know you want to be on Eurovision is when Waterloo wins. Okay, yeah. fair enough, cool. No mention of Celine Dion being in there. No mention of like Johnny Logan or, but uh, yeah, Bucks Fizz or anything like that. Like Lulu, like iconic entries. No Blue. Men- Say again. Blue. <laughs> you know, iconic entries. You stopped my Eurovision rant for a mention of blue. Good don't God. forget it. Don't forget we wouldn't subjected them to blue. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw that as an act of war. I don't think that was. I think know. that was us just going. You know what? Fuck it. If you're not going to vote for us, we're going to torture you, fucks. <laughs> Which you know, fair. Why they never sent the darkness? I don't know. The darkness would have done like so well. The darkness would have done so well. I feel like we could have actually got some. Not one. God forbid that, but we could have got some points at the very least. Hey, we didn't win the year we got, like, someone ran onto the stage and attacked their dude. I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, we didn't get all the sympathy. I know all the voting's done beforehand, but still, you think we could have got some sympathy votes there, but alas. Um, sorry, I cut you off mid, uh, mid uh, rant. I was literally just going to list people I know from Eurovision, so it's probably a good thing you stopped me. Um, yeah, You're but I, I just feel like the, the history of the contest wasn't really shown that much, but I understand that you're setting it now, so it makes a lot of sense. Okay, can we talk about not only did they go past We Will Deep Fry Your Kebabs, um, yeah. but also what the fuck? It was in Edinburgh? They, that implies we won. That does imply we won. And there wasn't, a, you know, <laughs> there weren't people like dancing in the street about it. There wasn't, you know, pigs flying in hell freezing no. over. No, it was, uh, I, I don't get, like, was it literally just because that was the only arena they could book that had relatively empty streets? 
And they that, were like, yeah, yeah. Well, no one no one likes Edinburgh anyway. They were just, we'll just have it there. That to me is exactly what it felt like because they filmed in the, the SSE Hydro, which is in Edinburgh. Um, oh, wait, no, that's in Glasgow, isn't it? Did they use Glasgow as a stand-in for Edinburgh? I'm going to double check uh, this. Yeah, I can't remember which way around. I can't remember which arena is in which thing. Not that I haven't been. Oh, did I tell you this last week on the Hamilton thing? That I've been in the same arena as Lin Manuel Miranda. In the, at the same time, or? Yes. Wow. Okay. He was at the wrestling show I was at in Wales, apparently. <laughs> what the fuck? Does he like wrestling? Apparent there was an NXT UK show in in Cardiff. Apparently he was just there on holiday doing touristy things, and thought, screw it, I'll go and uh, I'll go watch the wrestling. Oh, I thought and... you were going to tell me they booked him. That would have been incredible. Oh no, god! <laughs> you imagine it's like uh, what, what's that one where it's just this, is it Royal Rumble where there's just like one after the other? Yes. Imagine a Royal right. Rumble where like you just hear dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the fireworks go off. He's in full Alexander Hamilton garb. He's Hell yes. Just sprinting towards the ring. So, my favourite bit is I had better seats than him. <laughs> <laughs> he was up in the gods. I was on the floor. So uh, yeah, go me. Uh, sorry, um, I, I again cut you off for a bit of useless trivia there. No, no, no. Just the idea of Hamilton wrestling is great. Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. you told me about this. Uh, I would pay good money. Not Hamilton yep. money, but good money. Did you find it where the hydro is? Yes, it is in Glasgow. So they've used Edinburgh for outside shots. They used the SSE Hydro in Glasgow. They used Glasgow Airport instead of Edinburgh Airport. So, right. For reasons. Uh, and this is the bit that gets me, right? So it's very clearly not the same stage in consecutive shots in this film. And it really fucking bothers me because I'm like, I guarantee they've done crowd shots from the stage in the 2019 contest in Tel Aviv and used it like intersplice it so it looks like there was more people there. Uh. Lo and behold, that's fucking true. Not only that, I recognized it because they basically reconstructed a smaller version of the Tel Aviv stage at the SSE Hydro and on a sound stage for pickup shots. I know this, Darren, because of the shape of the stage and the bridge is on either side. I am that level of Eurovision nerd. Well, if we've found out nothing else during the course of this review, it's that you maybe know a bit too much about Eurovision. Oh, you know how you hate the wrestler? Because it's very inside yes. baseball. Yes. I, I felt like this, this is what stopped me from enjoying this film as much as I probably could have. So I was like, well, that's clearly this stage. That's clearly not filmed there. That's not even the same lighting rig. <laughs> like, that, to the point, and the bit, oh, oh, okay, the bit that got me, the two main bits. Graham Norton talking over the song is not a thing that happens when the Eurovision is being broadcast. True. If that was just Graham Norton just having a time to himself, fair enough. But it, the way that they'd scripted it, I know they have to give him something to do. But um, that whole thing of like, so Graham would just commentate over the entire song. And it was very presentational, what he was saying. It wasn't even like, a, you know, they could have make it, made a joke about, you know, by the eighth song in, if you haven't finished uh, finished your drink, then you've got to, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. That would have really felt authentic if like you saw him drinking in the box, raising a glass, stuff like that. Yeah. But it was just, it was 
trite and it didn't really represent how the contest works. Moreover, the the bad performance they have in the semi-final that then goes to live voting, which is not a thing that happens in the semi-final. Oh. They, they, they do that bit at the that. end where yeah. it's like they reveal the 10 countries that have gotten through to the final. That happens, but they, they, they try to have that bit where they go around the countries and get like, oh, 8 points, 10 points, 12 points. Yeah, They don't do that for semi-finals. That's only for the grand final. And I know they wanted, they, they were like, we have to fit this in somewhere because it's a big part of Eurovision, but we, we've already got an our third act written and we can't reverse engineer it into that. So it just felt a bit a bit patchwork for me. But again, that is probably because it's very inside baseball for me. God, you can say that again. Yeah, I I, I sympathise again because it ruined not only the wrestler, but also fighting with my family. So maybe we just cursed his existence. I mean, we've been doing this long enough. This was eventually start to happen where we just, we inherently ruin movies. They're otherwise fine. But uh, yeah, if it's only <laughs> yeah. affecting your enjoyment of the Will Ferrell Eurovision comedy vehicle, I don't think it's going to be too much of a long lasting problem. No, probably not. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think okay. I don't think we're getting a sequel. Put it that way. No, uh, I don't think it needs one. Although, um, that being said, I I don't hate it as much as if they did try to do something else with it. I'd probably still watch it. Yeah. But, but you know, I don't need the return of Fire Saga. I don't need more of that. I don't know where you go with a second one, because <laughs> it was all about them gaining acceptance. And they did that. It's like why you never do a, a sequel to Cool Runnings, like because there's no what, what they they did. They achieved what they needed to achieve. You know, you can't then, you know, unless it's like a Rocky Two situation where you do want to bring them back just so they can win. But uh, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like the right course of action. So no, I, I I'm happy this is one and done. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Now you say it. Oh, well, there we go. That was. It, it's fine. It's fine. I, I know that I'm ruining it for myself. I know that I am engineering problems in that film because I know so much about this. But ultimately, I still think it's handled by people who genuinely enjoy it, genuinely have a fondness for it, or at the very least, I think you could watch it and still, you know, have that sense of, oh well, this is weird and interesting. There's no way that the real thing is like this, and then you watch the real thing, and now you're a fan. So that might that it actually might be good. It actually might as, get more people interested in Eurovision. And that's as a all cynical, right yeah, as a cynical marketing tool, it probably did its job. <laughs> yeah, almost definitely. Especially Lovely. for the American audiences. Plug away, Michael. You can go and find me on Twitter at @thatmikeowen and on Instagram under the same name. You can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at @thegutridge. You can go and follow other sites on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Under the username FowlEnt, that's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. Uh, you can go and find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can pick up an RSS feed under the username FowlEnt or FowlEnt Podcasts. The last episode we recorded was a review of the Disney Plus Hamilton, so please do go and listen to that. But if you've gotten this far on a Eurovision podcast, you probably have already seen Hamilton, so you can go and listen to us talking about that masterpiece. Uh, next up, it's difficult to say what's coming, to be honest. Um, we are about yeah. to record another podcast, which we'll, we're not going to tell you what, just in case it's not the next one. Uh, but there are rumours of a Nintendo Direct coming. There is a Microsoft event on the horizon. I remember you saying. Yes, uh, there is a another Microsoft showcase like they did a few 
uh, weeks ago. They're doing that, but apparently this time they've learnt their lesson and will be putting actually exciting things in this uh, showcase, which is nice. I don't think they have learned their lesson. Have you seen the latest news about Microsoft? No. Not only have they uh, completely removed the ability to buy 12 months of Xbox Live Gold, like you can't even buy physical cards of it anymore. Once that stock's gone, it's fucking gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have announced that there are to be no Series X exclusives within the first two years of the console's life. Oh. Yeah. Basically, every game that's coming out on Xbox Series X, you can either play on PC or Xbox One, or both. Okay, that's... But So Halo Infinite... Will be on Xbox One as well. That's... That's both good and bad. I mean, it may, it's good for us and good for people who own Xbox Ones that they can still do that. And it shows they're not going to abandon the market straight away. But that makes no business sense whatsoever. None. And also, you know, they bought that xCloud thing. Yes. Uh, they are rolling that functionality into Game Pass Ultimate, which is what I've got for the next two years. So I'm very excited for that, for the possibility of getting to play Halo Infinite for nothing. <laughs> so very happy. Wow. But, but they do they not want to sell the series x apparently not but i i i will find out more on thursday i guess we will until then bye everybody bye